May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Nicodemus is a complicated character. We see him throughout the Gospels struggling to understand theological complexities, divine mysteries, what the heck is going on. However you want to call it, he is a questioner, a thinker. And so right off the bat, I want to say that today you are in a church that is part of the household of God who is not afraid of folks asking questions and trying to figure things out and maybe pushing back a little bit um, on how um, to understand things. We in the Episcopal Church welcome questions. We um, encourage questions. And we know that questions come in good times and they also come at moments of crisis, spiritual or existential, even if you want to call it crises. And they are welcome. God can handle your questions. And so Nicodemus had some questions. It says at the beginning of the gospel that he went to Jesus in the dark. So at night, he kind of snuck away. I don't know. We have no idea why that happened. But, um, you know, you could think that he just felt um, overwhelmed during the day or had complications that would not, or conversations that would not let him sleep at night. As one who has struggled a little with insomnia during the pandemic, and I always slept like a log before, um, I, I am up at night thinking about things, so I can feel um, Nicodemus's um, uh, experience and wanting to be in conversation with God uh, to ask questions that will not let you rest. So Nicodemus goes to Jesus in the dark, and Jesus answers Nicodemus several times, with, beginning with um, uh, three or four times, beginning with this phrase, very truly I tell you. Now, uh, the first read, I think of those words as scolding words, you know, like when your mother uses your full name, Hannah Elizabeth Atkins, you know, I know I'm in trouble. Or when I use my kid's full name, you know, uh, Daniel Emilio Romero Atkins, get down here right now, you know. I, I think of it as kind of a scolding. And, and yet, um, upon the third and fourth reading in the Lectio Divina that I do every week with the Gospel, I started thinking, um, that Jesus just wanted to emphasize, not, not in a scolding way, because we, God accepts questions, um, but in a way in which Jesus is saying, hey, this is serious, listen to me, right? This is serious. Very truly, I tell you that God so loved the world that God gave God's only Son, 
God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now this is a response to Nicodemus's, you know, wanting to know, how can you be born above? What are you talking about, God? What are you talking about, Jesus? What are you talking about? And sometimes, you know, in the middle of loss, in the middle of sorrow, you know, we, even I can say, God, why is this happening? And again, God can take our questions. What does this mean? And the answer that God always gives is about love and healing and redemption. And I've been saying this in all my recent sermons, but I also believe that we are always going to be a little confused because we are made in the image and likeness of God, but we are not God. We're never going to fully figure everything out. God is God. God is all in all. And it is our job to search in those moments of crisis for a way to grow in understanding, but also to grow in trust, in trust that our lives and the life of the world, that our hearts and minds and uh, journeys are in God's hands. So I was given this very weird uh, Christmas present that I didn't pick up until a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's a book. I love reading. And um, I honestly, I didn't pick it up because I thought that it would be kind of depressing because the, the title is, um, what's the title? The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. So I was just like, oh, why am I reading this? Um, and so I put it away, but I picked it up and because uh, I have to, it's, it's actually like a dictionary of obscure experiences or feelings. And so the author, John Koenig, um, writes in different chapters, he makes up words for things that don't exist. It's a New York Times bestseller. And he makes up words and explains why he's making up these words and and, and giving them over as a suggestion to um, whoever makes the decisions about what gets into the dictionary. But there he make, he's making up words for um, experiences that can leave you feeling lonely. And by putting a precise definition on these words, he, I think, in some ways, is doing what both Nicodemus and Jesus are doing in this conversation in the gospel. They are, they are closing the gap between uncertainty and loneliness. Nicodemus reaching out to Jesus and Jesus um, ex reaching out to Nicodemus to be with each other in this experience of, of questioning and trying to figure out what life and eternal life is all about. And so uh, in this book, 
there is, I ran across uh, a, a word that is offered to us to describe an experience. And the word is amen neurosis. Amen neurosis. And the definition that the author gives is the half forlorn, half escapist ache of a train whistle howling in the distance at night. So as soon as I say that, you can all hear the lonesome whistle, right? But there wasn't any country music back then, so that's not, um, I don't think Nicodemus is talking about the train whistle, but I think today in our experience, we can think of that train whistle as, as a feeling of, 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 of loneliness, of wanting connection, of what's out there, what's in the distance, what is happening at night. So the author goes on to, to explain why he picked this word, amen neurosis. And it says it's from amen, which means so be it, plus neurosis, which is an anxious state, plus a word I'm going to butcher a little bit, um, amanuensis. Anyway, we'll, we'll look that up. It's a word that means an assistant who helps transcribe newly composed music. Anybody know what that word is? Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll write it out in the sermon transcript. But from those three definitions, so be it, an anxious state and an assistant who helps transcribe newly composed music, he gets this, this, this feeling. Um, he says, a train whistle is the sound of air being forced across a gap, which serves as a poignant reminder of all the gaps in your life. Amen, neurosis. This past week, um, a young man, father of a four-year-old, died suddenly of a heart attack. And I was in the midst of what you could call amen neurosis, um, sorrow, deep sorrow. And um, it consumed me for a couple of days and continues to haunt me like, you know, why? How can you be born from the flesh and the spirit? How can you be born again? Why does this happen? These moments of faith and longing, these moments of awareness in the gaps of our understanding, like Nicodemus, are moments to get closer to get closer and, and, and a moment of growth, to get closer to Jesus and experience a moment of growth. Jesus says these things, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son and we have come into the world to condemn the world. I mean, not to condemn the world. Lord have mercy, erase that. God came into the world not to the condemn the world but to liberate, to free, to heal the world. And I'm sure that we can identify with uh, moments in which 
that feels a little hard to believe. And so the major factor in this gospel is that Jesus is saying this when the light is already there, right in front of us. But these moments of crisis or of existential discernment uh, is an opportunity to continue the conversation with a God who loves you so much and wants to remind you that the light has already shone in this world. I think of that like in our daily life. I think about this church that at some moments throughout the day the limestone is just kind of plain limestone. It's pretty but it's plain, right? And then at other moments, as the light shines through the stained glass window, the limestone becomes a canvas for all of the colors in the universe that are collected within these artistic representations. I think about when we try to close the blinds to the light we want it to stay dark. We want to be alone. We don't want people to see in through the window. And yet the light still comes through the, the openings between the slats and shines to illuminate and to remind us that there's world, a whole world still out there. Jesus closes the gap not by shutting down Nicodemus's questions, but encountering him in that amen neurosis and reassuring him that very truly I tell you, you can be born again of the spirit, of the spirit, a spirit of healing, a spirit of grace freely given, a spirit of connection. In the Gospel of John, in the next few Sundays, we are going to meet biblical players, persons, in crisis. Today we meet Nicodemus. Next Sunday is the Samaritan woman. The next Sunday is Mary. Like, how can you just let her sit there, right? And, um, the, and, and all of these, you know, crisis and questioning. And it is a time during Lent for us um, not to feel ashamed of where we have gaps in our understanding, but to look for ways to grow into them. We began the worship with um, the great litany last Sunday, not to condemn us, but to bring awareness to where there is still growth for us to do, both in understanding and in trust that we may never understand, but God still has us in the palm of his hand. And we began the service today reading the Ten Commandments, not as two stone tablets to break over your head, but as a guideline to live a life 
of meaning and purpose, as a guideline to a life that is whole and where you can hear Jesus saying to you in the darkness of your questions, very truly I tell you, you can be reborn from the Spirit. You can remember that the light is already in the world and you can know for sure that God is not here to make your life harder, but to walk with you the entire journey. One last thing. In the Gospel of John, this is a quote from Carolyn Lewis, and she says that through, who's a John scholar, but throughout the Gospel of John, the word belief, belief is not a noun. It's never a noun. It's a verb. It's a verb that needs to be um, engaged in your life's work, in your life's thinking, in the complexities of your heart, in the delight of your soul, in the agonies, in the struggles, in all of it. Belief is not a noun that you just get at one point in your life. Belief is a verb to work on and engage every step of the way. Even, or most especially, when you are experiencing amen neurosis. Amen.